Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This episode is sponsored by Minima.Global and Circle. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from the Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. All right, let's get in to the first story there was some drama on Twitter over the weekend. So FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Free took to Twitter this morning to clear something up. He said that a competitor is trying to attack the company with rumors. He then says in the same tweet, FTX is fine, assets are fine. Over the weekend, speculation rose about the solvency of FTX. This came after a Coindesk report revealed Alameda Research's balance sheet is full of FTX's native token FTT. The balance sheet showed $2.66 billion of unlocked FTT and $292 million of locked FTT. Alameda Research is, of course, Sam Bankman-Fried's trading arm. So Binance CEO CZ got in on the actions. He said that he would be liquidating the exchange's FTT tokens on its books. And there was a little bit of back and forth with Alameda's CEO. Adam, I'm going to kick this off to you first. I was gone for a week and what a story to come back to. Maybe you can talk us through what is going on here. Yeah, I think it's all fun and games until somebody starts trash talking your uh, your company token, right? Like, I, I mean, that's really kind of what I see with all of this stuff. Like FTX and Binance are two of the biggest, primarily non-US giant exchanges that are out there. They compete in lots of ways, but the market is still new enough that they don't really have to cannibalize each other's markets uh, in order to succeed and continue to grow each of their respective businesses. We're in a blue ocean moment still for kind of the world of the largest side of the, uh, you know, like crypto exchanges, not really a red ocean where they need to be aggressively going after people who are trading on one or the other in order to continue to grow. Now, that being said, it still is a bear market. And there is still significant strategy that goes into both the, the kind of uh, the optics of the thing and also just the investing strategy of the thing. Uh, Binance has not made a lot of the big flashy moves that many of its competitors, including FTX, has. It didn't participate in any of the kind of stadium stuff. They didn't do, you know, Super Bowl ads. Um, so from a risk management standpoint, 
there may just be some incompatibilities here. And they may be thinking, hey, it's better to deploy these resources in other ways rather than continue to support and bet on our competitor. FTX, on the other hand, of course, uh, wants to manage that because just by nature of how much of that token they have on their books, well, if the price of it were to go down for whatever reason, whether warranted or not, it could mean that they lose a significant amount of their, their kind of book value. And again, all of this stuff is hypothetical because were you to actually take all of those tokens and sell them into the market, then obviously the price would be significantly depressed because there would be a lot more uh, supply coming into the market without really an increase in demand. So I think it's an interesting story just in that we're seeing effectively two gigantic companies really kind of just uh, like in a good natured way jousting with each other uh, about something that's very important in a lot of ways, but also as far as the kind of core business of each of these companies is concerned, doesn't really matter. So it's, uh, I think it's uh, billionaires punching each other in the wallet, so to speak. Wendy, what do you think? So I have a very different take than you do. I think that this rivalry is going a long, long, long ways back. I feel like CZ's kind of been waiting to do this, listening to some or reading some of his tweets. Why? Well, he did put it, I should have sent this to control, but I didn't. But CZ did put out a tweet yesterday. Liquidating our FTT is just post-exit risk management, learning from Luna. We gave support before, but we won't pretend to make love after divorce. We are not against anyone, but we won't support people who lobby against other industry players behind their backs onwards. That's a very important piece of information to add to this. And we do know that Sam came out with some possible crypto regulation. We do know that he was one of the largest Biden donors to the campaign not so long ago. And I covered the regulation, went through it on my show, and I've talked to different regulators in the, or different attorneys in the industry. And it's not necessarily really friendly. It sounds like it's friendly, but I don't think it will be. So I feel like what CZ is doing is just kind of de-risking and just distancing himself from this particular competitor because he doesn't necessarily agree with a lot of the regulation that FTX could or could not be pushing. Again, we are supposed to be operating in a true decentralized economy. I know that's pretty much impossible given the current regulatory state of things. But at the same time, we do need to work on pushing positive regulation out, actually working with lawmakers, not doing something that could actually damage the whole entire industry. So that's something that I do often think about. But I think that um, this is just bear market stuff. Um, we're going to see a lot more of this continue to happen. I don't think Bitcoin has capitulated yet. And um, one thing that I will tell the audience is please be very careful, careful opening any positions at all right now. There's a lot of volatility in the market. And again, not your keys, not your coins. Please don't leave your cryptocurrency on exchanges, especially during times like this. We have a lot of big players in the industry with a lot of capital and things can go very, very, very wrong, very, very fast. With that being said, I wish that we can find peace in the industry. I don't like when people are fighting, but at the same time, you know, it is what it is and boys will be boys. <laughs> what, a, what a great way to wrap up that take. Boys will be boys. I want to push a question uh, back on to you, Adam. So there are a bunch of responses to SBF's tweet this morning. Zach Vol responded on Twitter and said, thoughts on FTX sharing a proof of reserves audit. He then notes that Kraken and a couple others have done this, but it's not industry standard. Some other users are pointing to some recent insolvencies, noting Celsius. And I wonder, have, has the industry put a lot of trust into SBF where we haven't put that trust into some other leaders of exchanges? And have we done that kind of blindly? I don't know if it's blind necessarily, but I think that you can just kind of look at how the world works and you can say very clearly that most of these things, again, like not using the negative connotations, but just the literal interpretation, a lot of this stuff is about confidence, right? A lot of this stuff is just making it such that that the people who need to believe you about a certain thing or believe that you're trustworthy or believe that you're well capitalized, 
that a lot of times appearances sort of trump reality when it comes to this stuff. And it's only really when the veneer of that trust and the veneer of that confidence starts to fade that then you find out that actually a lot of these people perhaps weren't exactly what they represented. So I think it's totally appropriate to ask for that type of thing. I think that, again, companies have choices and individual users have choices. And if a company you know, feels confident that they don't need to do it, then you know, in a lot of ways, it doesn't give ammunition to kind of your competitors who might point out little things that don't matter, but which can kind of start to create narratives. But on the other side, I think that if you can provide you know, a clean report, and, and it's worth noting that FTX is a complicated entity uh, that probably has a lot of kind of cross, you know, company like loans and a lot of kind of liabilities and counterparties that are out there. So again, like we saw this with Bitfinex before, uh, you know, and, and Tether too, like sometimes these entities are just really, really hard to provide anything that is going to be both one helpful and two, not just more confusing kind of than doing nothing at all. So I think that it's a challenge. And I think that, uh, you know, we'll see potentially whether or not they're comfortable moving forward with it. But as we can see, again, like the, the, what the information that we did get um, about how much of the FTT token that FTX actually has on their balance sheet or that Alameda has on their balance sheet, that actually introduced a bunch of questions that weren't there before. And now the conversation is about something that the company probably very much doesn't want people talking about versus continuing to talk about the stuff that they would be happier. So I think it's a balancing act and it just really comes down to individual choices, both in terms of what are the fundamentals behind you and also, do you need to do this? Is it helpful or will it actually just make things more complex? It's certainly a good question, Jen. Well, thank you. When I asked the question, Wendy nodded and mouthed yes. So I'll give Wendy the last word on the story before we kick it off to hers. I think it should be industry standard. We work <laughs> in crypto. Things are just supposed to be decentralized. The whole reason why we love Bitcoin is because you can see these transactions, even though that they're immutable. Everything is open source. Like we should hold these big entities more accountable. Like they have, they they are capable to show us everything on chain. That's what crypto is, um, unless you're using privacy coins. So I think moving forward, hopefully in this next bull run, we'll set new industry standards and we will require people, these big players, to be a little bit more transparent. I think that would be positive. I think it would be a good thing to an extent. And I also think that that could potentially show regulators, hey. We're transparent. We're the good guys here. If somebody is doing something bad, you can see it. It's all public. So here's a big question. What's the most important thing about crypto? It's not transactions per second. It's not convenience. And it's not even smart contracts. It's decentralization to achieve censorship resistance so we can all be free. Minima is a new layer one blockchain designed to run in full on a smartphone so that anyone can participate in building Minima's decentralized network as an equal. Join over 300,000 Minima node runners on the incentive program today to start earning Minima every day until mainnet launch. Get started at Minima.global. This episode is brought to you by Circle, the sole issuer of USDC and a leader in crypto that's held to a higher standard. USDC is a fast, safe, and efficient way to send money around the globe. USDC is always redeemable one-to-one -one for US dollars and has over $45 billion in circulation as of October 13th, 2022. Plus, Circle posts weekly reserve reports and monthly attestations of reserve capital, letting users know that USDC is safe, transparent, and compliant with regulations. Just go to circle.com backslash transparency to see why USDC is a trusted stablecoin.
Wednesday's top story. Let's talk about FTX. I will do my best. It is amazing how quickly things can change in this space. And that is what we're going to spend a good chunk of today talking about. Now, to get you caught up, all sorts of stuff went down yesterday in which Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX said that they had come to an agreement with CZ of Binance for Binance to acquire FTX.com pending due diligence on the part of Binance. Now, according to a source today, Binance is leaning against getting this deal done. They took a look under the hood and it's not looking good, according to a source talking to Coindesk's Ian Allison. This is a highly fluid situation, something that has captured the markets and mainstream attention as FTX and Binance inch toward a possible takeover. There's so much to go into on this one. Really crazy stuff has been going on uh, in the trading world in the past 48 to 72 hours. But here we are now on the cusp of a possible deal. But then again, maybe not. I'm going to throw this to Wendy for her initial thoughts on this whole Binance FTX thing, which has just gone crazy and so quick. What's up? So there is definitely a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to break down. I want to come in with this from a business perspective. Business perspective means the LOI, the intent to purchase FTX or to acquire to save them is just an intent. It doesn't mean that it's actually going to happen. A lot of people are complaining, especially on Twitter, saying that um, Binance kind of started this whole thing by fudding FTT, et cetera. But realistically, that might not be the actual case. CZ did put a memo out, a statement out indicating what kind of happened. We don't know the exact story because we're not in internally. One thing I will say from a business perspective, it might not make sense after they do their due diligence process to actually acquire FTX. Another thing that's very important to note is FTX US and FTX Official or FTX International are completely two different companies. Right now, FTX US is safe to use. However, people should still consider getting their cryptocurrency off of the exchange. I did that yesterday and my NFTs. From a business perspective, it doesn't really make sense if the hole is too big. But at the same time, if Binance doesn't come in and save the day, how will this impact crypto regulatory-wise on a global scale? I have a lot of people in my audience, when we talk about global regulations, they say it's not going to impact the rest of the world. And vice versa, whatever the SEC does is not going to impact the rest of the world, which in fact, it definitely could. These people, these public servants, they all talk together about what to do with crypto. Crypto right now is essentially ungovernable. And they're going to need to come up with some type of regulation with some type of control to establish a CBDC. So we will just kind of have to wait and see as to what happens with this entire debacle. Yeah, we're getting some fresh reporting out of Bloomberg this morning that uh, US regulators are indeed looking into FTX in the wake of this announced news from Binance. I'm going to toss it to Jen for her thoughts on this and, uh, and other developments. Yeah, I have so many thoughts. The first one I want to say is that I just want to give a shout out to journalism. You know, journalists are meant to hold companies, organizations, people, the leaders in our communities accountable. And this really, this story started to unfold after a report by Coindesk last week by Ian Allison. And I just want to say that journalists are doing their job and it's important and we will come out of this on top. And I think that this was needed for that transparency that we talk about so much in this industry. So I want to just shout out Ian Allison, you know, the concerns about Alameda Research's balance sheet came from that report, and we're just starting to see it unravel now. My second thought is we often tell people on this show, it's said across the industry, do your own research. And I have to say, for someone who's doing their own research, they're just getting into crypto, a doxed founder and CEO who seems to be working with regulators who has these 
big endorsements, who has commitments to charity leads to credibility. And I feel for the people who did their own research, invested in the FTT token, put their money on FTX, because I don't think that there was something that you could have found that would have steered you in a different direction. I think this is a reminder of the industry that we're in. It's still very, very volatile. There's still a lot of uncertainty when it comes to regulation. We will get there eventually. And I just feel for the retail investors and the customers who are going to feel the effects of this. Zach? Yeah, it's just really wild. You know, if FTX wasn't an institution, like a pillar of the crypto economy, it was certainly something that was seen to be pretty solid. So for this to sort of materialize over the course of 48 to 24 hours, in which questions were asked about potential irregularities on the Alameda balance sheet, how that possibly impacted FTX, its sister company, and then for someone in the market here to exercise action against some of this information that had, that had entered the space. And now for that to sort of accelerate into what sort of looks like a hostile takeover by Binance, uh, acquiring a key competitor in FTX.com. It's going to be interesting to see if this ultimately materializes. But again, we're hearing reports that potentially Binance is shying away from the deal after doing a bit of that preliminary due diligence. We will see if this comes to pass. If not, I think there might be some really interesting questions as to what follows. If there's no one who's there to backstop FTX in this instance, then what? And I think the markets more broadly are sort of puking on the possibility of further ramifications of another major collapse within the crypto space. Wendy, tossing it to you. Saw your hand up. Curious for your thoughts. One of the things I will say, it was a little bit of a red flag to see the kind of interaction between Alameda and FTX because that is their trading desk. And it's also interesting to see a lot of the different tokens and things that they're in. And one thing that I do want to talk about, we talk about transparency a lot in crypto. We have the tools, we have the resources to put a lot of these transactions to the public to show them what type of reserves are being held. And that's something that CZ mentioned is that we're going to start showing proof of reserves. Being X, which is a crypto exchange that I am partnered with, full disclosure, they've also put that out is that they are going to start showing proof of reserves. And I think it's important that all crypto exchanges that we use if these exchanges do not have proof of reserves that they're posting and being very transparent about, you just shouldn't use it. So I think that even though this is an absolute terrible thing, it's a tragedy, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel here that we can expect a lot of self-regulation to come out of this with these crypto exchanges and say, hey, we're going to go ahead and show the proof of reserves. And if you can go through that and analyze that and it makes sense to you and you want to use that exchange, great. But if exchange does not have proof of reserves, especially after this entire debacle, it's probably one that you may not want to use. I was just going to say, I think like the silver lining here potentially is that maybe more people move to DeFi on-chain things that provide on-chain transparency, as opposed to what we keep seeing time and time again, that a lot of these CeFi institutions are black boxes in terms of what risk is being taken unbeknownst to you as a user of that exchange. So I think the silver lining dare I say the hopium that may be surging across the space as the, is that this pushes us more toward on-chain activity in the trading space, pushes us more toward DeFi and that dream of intermediary lists transactions online. That's what crypto was all about. But I will say that most people interact with the space through intermediaries such as Coinbase, FTX, Binance, etc. I think this is a major black eye for the space going forward. But again, that little silver lining might be that the case for on-chain transparency that DeFi can offer, that might be the silver lining, but I wouldn't hold my breath on that just yet. Jen. Yeah, to Wendy's point, I know there is a uh, Coindesk article this morning that said, I think nine exchanges are, are scrambling to put together these proof of reserve reports. The fact that they're scrambling is a little bit concerning, right? I like that they've been 
pushed into action. I think that we can most definitely expect regulators to be on top of this. I wouldn't be surprised if we see regulation uh, or at least a draft of regulation coming out that requires centralized exchanges, especially in the U.S., that are registered to have these proof of reserves. Uh, I think it was two days ago when SBF tweeted, our assets are fine. Everything is fine. These are just rumors that are being circulated by our competitors. I brought up a tweet on this show by, I think it was Zach Wall that said, there is maybe one exchange that publicly uh, publishes proof of reserves. And it would be so great if there was an industry standard so that people could make these informed decisions. I think that we are going to see it become an industry standard before the next bull cycle. Zach, I'll give it to you for last thoughts on this before we move on. It is wild to see the steady lads, the steady lads vibe tweet has come to rear its ugly head yet again. We see it time and time again, projections of strength that ultimately signal the potential downfall of former giants in the space. Thursday's top story. We talked yesterday about a potential acquisition of FTX by Binance, as was reported later in the day. And as we mentioned at the time, we mentioned at the time that it was looking unlikely. And as was announced later in the day, it did not happen. Binance pulled out of its uh, proposed acquisition of FTX. And now FTX is rapidly careening toward a bankruptcy filing unless SBF, founder of FTX, can raise some funding and potentially work this out. In a lengthy tweet thread this morning, SBF admitted bluntly, I effed up. And he didn't say it like that. He said it the real deal on there. There was plenty of stuff in this thread that exposed his understanding of the current events and the rapid unraveling of FTX and its sister firm, Alameda. He also mentioned that Alameda would cease trading in a bid to shore up the SBF crypto empire. Pretty crazy stuff that we are seeing. Tons of additional reporting coming out, including some pretty spicy reporting from the Wall Street Journal indicating that, according to a source speaking on the condition of anonymity, that FTX was lending customer funds to Alameda in a bid to shore up Alameda's shaky finances. If that proves to be true, those are some pretty damning allegations. A lot to get to today, so I'm going to toss it straight to Jen for her thoughts. Yeah, you know, remember when we were talking about Do Kwan and I said, I just really wish that he seemed empathetic and I really wish that he was sorry. I think that SBF executed on that communication that I was calling for, but I still feel nothing. I feel like you can say you're sorry all you want and you can say that you're for the people and you're really going to try and get this money back. But the actions leading up to this that are being revealed more and more as the days go on, as the hours progress, look really bad. It doesn't really look like SBF did have his retail investors needs in mind. It looks like maybe some laws could have been broken or at least some shady deals at least. And so it's it's disheartening. I mean, I don't know what else SBF could say right now, but this whole situation is just very disheartening. I don't know, given the industry's sentiment on what's going on right now, how he's going to be able to get $8 billion to make his customers whole again. And so just like yesterday, I am completely disheartened. When I read that article that said about $4 billion of customer funds went over to Alameda Zach, it was just kind of mind-blowing. Two days ago, when Adam was on the show, I said, have we been kind of propping SBF up on this pedestal? 
have we not been asking? Like, did we all just miss something that that um, we should have seen coming? I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's just sad. Wendy, what do you think? There's a lot to unpack. The story is still developing. We're seeing a lot of different things fly around all over Twitter. One thing I think is very, very important to note is FTX US is a different entity of FTX International because a lot of people are confusing that. FTX US still is processing withdrawals. So again, if you have money there, you might want to consider removing those funds and you might want to consider removing funds from any crypto, centralized crypto exchange and using self-custody. It's important to keep reiterating that. I think the story will continue to develop. There's going to be a lot more information coming out. When bad things happen, even if you say sorry, even if you have an explanation, it doesn't necessarily matter at times. So I understand that people want to hear, they have these expectations in their mind that they want to hear X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, even if that person is able to deliver that verbiage, it's still not going to make a difference. Whatever happened did in fact happen. So I'm not defending Sam, I'm not defending FTX, I'm not defending anything. All I'm saying is, is I think regardless, it's still going to be a negative outcome for what anything that he says. I'm sure there are people helping him, PR-wise, writing these things, getting this information out. I would hope so. I would hope that he's, you know, he's got legal. And again, I do hope that they are able to do something positive with customer funds. But those are, those are other reports. I know we'll segue that into my story later. But again, there's so much information coming out. It's kind of hard to keep track at this point. Zach? <laughs> It really is hard to keep track. I mean, let's assume that it was a genuine and heartfelt apology. I think the language in there would indicate that it was. But I think as more reporting is coming out, again, like the level of craziness that was associated with this is really quite scary. And the fact that FTX has unwound itself extremely quickly, and we have SBF now seeking remedy, whether that's through other partners in the crypto space, as we'll discuss later, or through other people who are willing to make a bet on him that's that's what he's looking to do. He's looking to raise the funds to make his customers whole. It's a noble goal. Uh, let's hope he can do that. But right now, based on Binance looking under the hood and saying, whoa, wait a minute. No, we're not doing that. And additional reporting coming out. It may be hard for SBF to secure the funding that he's going to need to make sure that his customers do become whole. So that is, it's going to be remarkable to see how this unfolds over the next, I guess, the, re the remainder of this week and into early next. But I can only imagine the behind the scenes machinations going on right now in terms of reaching out to people who may be able to extend FTX a lifeline at this present moment in time. Jen, what are you thinking? I just off of Wendy's comment, I wanted to issue a public service announcement. Uh, probably about six months ago, I had a friend who wanted to buy a sizable amount of Bitcoin and had never purchased any crypto before. And I suggested, you know, if you're going to buy that much Bitcoin, you probably want to put it in cold storage. And the response I got was, you know, I really don't trust myself with something like that. I would rather have it on a centralized exchange. I think that this is a great example of why you don't want to keep a large amount of money that you plan on holding for a long time on a centralized exchange. And a misconception with cold storage or having a hard wallet is that if you lose that device, you've lost all of your money. That is not true. As long as you have your seed phrase, you have access to your funds. So there are other options than centralized exchanges. And if you are still interested in investing in Bitcoin, this is not the only way to get into it. Interesting little foot, footnote here is that, you know, crypto prices are up today on strong macroeconomic indicators. So interesting to watch the, the, the prices sort of taking a little bump despite all the mania that's going on around this major story with FTX and Alameda on some indicators in the broader sort of macroeconomic world. Bitcoin and other, other assets are up today, which is quite, quite interesting to see. 
given how tumultuous the news has been over these last couple of days. But we're going to change gears. I'm going to throw it to Wendy for last word, and then uh, and then we'll switch it over. But Wendy, what are your thoughts? Before we talk about crypto volatility, because that's why everybody's here, I think it is important to kind of piggyback and go back to what Jen was saying on the responsibility of owning your keys and what that means. And I think that it is definitely a hard concept for people because we are used to just leaving our money in a bank and assuming everything's fine. And especially Americans, we think, okay, we'll leave our money in a bank. But in actuality, just because your money is in a bank doesn't mean that it's your money because you don't actually have physical contact <laughs> with it. And banks do similar things as they do lend other people's money out. Um, we do know that we have some strict laws and protections that are supposed to help that. But at the same time, it's I feel like most of the DMs that I'm getting from people right now are like, Wendy, what exchange do I trust? Where do I go to buy my crypto? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, what I'm telling people is I'm telling people to wait till we see proof of reserves from a lot of different exchanges. And then you can go ahead and do your due diligence that way. And I'm glad that CZ actually set that precedent. And I know we talked about that yesterday was having proof of reserves, the Miracle Tree, all of that out so that customers can actually decide which exchange might be the safest. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be rough for quite some time. Friday's top story. In a shocking turn of events, FTX crypto exchange filed for bankruptcy protection this morning. This was a rapid unraveling of what had been emerging as one of the key pillars of the crypto economy and after much back and forth involving a potential takeover bid by Binance, a potential rescue by the likes of Justin Sun and others, CEO Sam Bankman-Fried is filing for bankruptcy protection, Chapter 11, and resigning as CEO. A lot to unpack here, but it looks like we may be entering a period of, of long, drawn-out, stuck funds for depositors on FTX.com. Should also be noted that FTX US was included in this filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, despite some initial words from Sam Beckman-Fried yesterday that FTX US would be spared from this, quote, shit show. All right, Adam, I'm tossing it to you. What are your thoughts on this being official? It seemed as though things were careening rapidly toward this outcome, and indeed, it looks like that has come to pass. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that what we're seeing here is a repetition of the same cycle that we've seen with other high-profile insolvencies over the course of the last year, which really is that there is a strong incentive to sugarcoat things and to lie until you absolutely cannot do so any longer. I think the FTX US inclusion within this bankruptcy proceeding, which included, I was, I was surprised to see a shocking 132 entities at least that are wrapped up in this bankruptcy, including the U.S. arm of the exchange, which Bankman-Fried had recently said was entirely solvent and had all the funds to back it. That, again, really, I think, caps it off. You know, when, when you are in one of these positions, I thankfully have never been and I will never be, <laughs> I can't imagine the amount of stress that, that a person must be under at that point. And it just seems like, like if what you're trying to do there, you, you can think about it from an incentives perspective. If what, if what Bankman-Fried was attempting to do was attempting to find some way, any way to avoid this outcome, then, then simply acknowledging the depth of what had actually happened here and what was likely to happen in a bankruptcy scenario would have sealed the fate of all of it. It would have taken away the opportunity to potentially fix it. The challenge, of course, is that by the time you get to this point where you're trying to you know, keep confidence up, whether you're talking about the Terra ecosystem, the Celsius ecosystem, or now FTX, 
among others, it's just too late, right? Like it's, it's just too late. And at that point, you have no good options. And it seems like, you know, again, declaring bankruptcy as fast as possible perhaps is the best one. One of the other things that I uh, saw this morning, I don't know if this is confirmed, is that FTX has opened up some withdrawals specifically for entities based out of the Bahamas area, which in practice is a really sort of sleazy thing, I think, to do right now. You know, I'm unclear kind of what the details are about that. Again, we're going to learn a lot more as we get into bankruptcy, kind of the bankruptcy proceedings as we did with these prior ones. But again, a lot of, a lot of wrong stuff going on here. A lot of people hurting today. Zach, back to you. Yeah, just a quick point for us, Jen. Uh, the stuff that I saw, at least according to FTX, was that the Bahamas stuff was in accordance with local regulations. It's my understanding that withdrawals are being processed from FTX.us, at least intermittently as we speak. And yeah, there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on. But Jen, over to you. Yeah, I want to talk about SBF statements, right? These statements have been, being been, the statements have been released on Twitter. It started about a week ago with SBF saying, everything is fine. Your assets are fine. We open up Twitter today. We have SBF saying that he's piecing the details together. He's still in shock to see that this unraveled the way it did. But as we start to learn more about the poor business practices that led to what has happened this week, I don't think you can say you're in shock. I, and, and I've said this, you know, with some of the other liquidations we've happened, some of the other companies that have filed for bankruptcy and issued similar statements. It's just so unfortunate that these CEOs, they're, they're, it's like they're saying sorry, but you know, it's not really my fault because I didn't know and not acknowledging the fact that we have a lot of facts now. We're starting to understand and see what was going on behind the scenes. And that's just not the case. You took a lot of risk that in the end, you and the companies that you led could not handle. And I would just love to see some of that acknowledgement because there are a lot of people who are feeling the knock-on effects of this. Zach? Yeah. So in the long term, I guess let's hope that this leads to a better market overall, right? An ecosystem that Mm -hmm. is uh, predicated on fairness, transparency, and some of the promises of commerce free of intermediaries that often tends to lead to outcomes such as this. But in the short term, there's just a lot of pain, not even talking about sort of market movements right now with Bitcoin and other major assets falling pretty sharply. But we're talking about users whose funds are stuck for potentially a protracted period of time. We're talking about employees who were literally blindsided by this news shaking out over the last couple of days, employees of FTX who are now out on their own looking for what is going to be their next step potentially also with significant savings attached to the platform. Now they enter the queue of creditors going forward. So I think in the long term, hopefully this is a positive thing for the industry and for the space. But in the short term, I think we have to be really empathetic to the users and employees of this platform who are really feeling a bit lost right now after a very rapid situation unfolded this week. So thinking of those folks who are directly affected, but again, hopefully this battle tests the crypto industry as a whole over the long run. Adam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think there's one other element of this that's probably worth focusing on right now, which is that this story is probably not over. You know, this is FTX declaring bankruptcy along with many of its affiliated affiliated entities, but there are a lot of projects out there that really viewed FTX as the safest place to custody a lot of this a lot of their their funds. Those funds are now locked in a process that if, you know, past uh, examples They filed in the U.S. at least, which is better than filing in Japan, which has a very, very drawn out process. But still, this is something that is likely to cause cascading insolvencies. This is something where we will very likely find counterparties who had lent money to one of these various entities 
and who now have a big giant hole in their balance sheets. And again, as we saw with kind of Celsius and, uh, and some of the other earlier ones, this is a process that might take a couple of months for, you know, for people basically to run out of, out of room to run, you know, and then finally have to acknowledge this. We've already started to see some players do this. BlockFi notably came out and, you know, they're not insolvent, but they have, or at least they're not acknowledging insolvency, but they have frozen withdrawals. They have stopped operation in sort of the way that they were operating before. I expect that we will see more of that. It's a very dangerous time to be out there in the crypto space right now because we don't really understand the web of connections that ultimately will wind up unwinding as a result of all of this stuff that's going on. Zach? Yeah, that's, I mean, something that, you know, DeFi adherents are out there, you know, sounding the alarm, right? This is a CFI problem. This is not an on-chain problem. These are CFI black boxes that ultimately obscure, obfuscate, and hide some of these risky business practices that they've undertaken, whether it's crypto lenders that we've seen falter in the past or Alameda in this instance, which seems to have led to the downfall of FTX, which was emerging as a highly trusted brand in the crypto space. And now we've seen it here on a Friday file for bankruptcy. Pretty crazy stuff. And I think the BlockFi news from last night, immediately halting operations, suggests that there may be a couple other notable CFI players who face similar fates because they were tied up in FTX here in these last few months. Jen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm just going to repeat kind of what I said yesterday, a public service announcement. If you have funds on a centralized exchange and are worried right now, get yourself a hardware wallet, hold your own coins, wait out the storm. It's if you if you are afraid, do that. It is not difficult to do, very easy to set up, and there's lots of information out there. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. That's chime.com slash goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.